Office Podcast for the week of December 11th, the Winter Meeting Special Edition. All right, this week we are going to kick off with the hot stove. The winter meetings have already begun. Awfully quiet out there, except for one major splash over the weekend. And that splash is a man of large stature. Giancarlo Stanton, headed to the New York Yankees. How good is that lineup with the... Another 59 home runs inserted into it. I hate everything. <laughs> this is your guys' first like actual time hearing me say anything about this. But I swear, I hate everything. It just, the whole situation is so backwards. And finding out like the pieces that we're finding out like even today, it, it is just literally perplexing why the Marlins even did what they did. Um, yeah, I hate everything. Extreme cost cutting is essentially what Derek Jeter is doing there. Ah, oh boy. No, I get that. I get that part. But like, why, why dangle St. Louis? I mean, we had the best prospect deal. We were taking on the most money. I mean, I get it from their, I guess, perspective. But if they knew he for sure wasn't going to accept a trade to St. Louis, and that's pretty much what the reports are saying now that he came out and said that right from the beginning before they even started negotiating with them. Why even include us? Like it's just very frustrating. Like I said, I hate everything. I'm going. I'm. I get to watch Stanton crush 80 home runs next year for the Yankees, and and now I am sitting here with you know, Bub God, the young, the young. Oh yeah, that's great. This is this is gonna, this is supposed to be Cardinal Nation, and I'm watching I'm watching you know Giancarlo Stanton type trades just slip through our fingertips. We couldn't even sign Hayward. Oh my God, I'm about to boil over. All right, there, I hate every I hate everything. There was some pretty big league posturing going on there by uh, by Jeter and his group because m- my impression of why there was so much dialogue going back and forth between the Cardinals was that I think they thought they could force him into moving. I think for a little bit there, they told him, "Hey, look, you're either going to accept a trade to somebody, or we're basically going to bury you on this this team with you know 42 wins the next seven seasons." Right. And so I think yeah. they were under the impression that they could actually kind of bully one of the biggest dudes in baseball, which is just dumb. Then they're cowards for not yeah. fu- going through with it. It's you know that's the only other thing because they could easily trade everything around him and do exactly what they said because that's what they're going to do anyways. And and then eventually he would have said, sure, trade me to someone, anyone, you know, um, I mean, maybe they might not even have gotten rid of. I mean, they probably would have gotten more for him later on. And it's know. crazy because it's crazy that they said that uh, or Stan and they said in one of his interviews that to, uh, about a week ago was the first time he actually had a conversation, uh, conversation of Derek Cheater. Right. Which is insane. Even after he won the MVP, he said he didn't hear a word from the Marlins congratulating him or anything. It's, just, it's a mess. You know, you know, your foot's out the door. <laughs> if, if you're winning an MVP and your team's not even yeah. going to give you a, hey, hey, good job, bro. Yeah, and then Derek Jeter didn't even show up at the winter meetings today. That was like 30 minutes from Miami. So. Yeah, Buster only was throwing blows there with tweets he for was. a second. He was yeah. just uh, gloves off just saying, hey, man, Cheater's not here. It's his responsibility to be here based on the organizational moves they're making. And I know you guys caught the tweet from uh, from Yelich where he just threw up the emoji there of like, hmm, what's going on here? Like. He's like, hey, can I can I get a lifeline here? Who, who wants me? Well, and apparently, let's take this and transition because we do have rumors on Yelich and Ozuna. Granted, the asking price on Yelich is supposedly much, much steeper than Ozuna at this point. But there's six to eight teams currently in the market 
for Ozuna. As there should be. I mean, he's a young guy, and he's got, what, three years left to control? Um, he's Or what, is it two years left or three? I think it's two. It's two. Yeah, e- either way, I mean, he's a young guy, and if you get him into the right organization, you can maybe sign him to a long-term extension, you know, buy out a couple more years, um, give him some a solid signing bonus right now. Uh, I mean, what he hit thirty eight home runs or something like that last year. I mean, he <laughs> just thirty seven, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like he he just mashed. So I'm, I'm as as there should be six to eight teams looking for him. Well, and let's just roll through those real quick. We've got Cardinals are interested, Giants what, what? and Nationals, which would make that outfield pretty clustered unless a few of them are headed to Miami. Now well, that's all they're gonna give me in this article. All right, so it's pretty much. Cardinals, Giants, and Nationals are the ones that are known at the moment. The Athletics are supposedly still kind of kicking the tires, but not very seriously. Uh, who'd you say, who's the last one there you said, Jeremy? Uh, the Athletics, the A's. Hmm. If I could have a, a Christmas wish for Christian Yelich is that he would go to the A's because of all the teams that kind of bought into lifting the ball. Um, last year, you saw Alonzo do it. Um, and several other guys on that team, I would love to see him move over to the athletics and actually maybe spend some time on trying to change that swing just a little bit because much like Ryan Zimmerman in 2016, Yelich has all the skills right there to to increase his home run productivity. And I think the athletics are a team that definitely could help him with that. What's funny with that is, is when you first started saying your sentence, I thought you hated Chris Yelich. <laughs> <laughs> because because you said something of the effect of from for Christmas wish I hope he goes to the A's and and I and I and I was like oh that that's kind of horrible to ask um, it's a burn right I mean especially with how bad the stadium is sorry but my my brain's a special place as you guys already already know um, <laughs> but anyways so it, yeah I 100% agree that would be something that would be pretty cool if uh, if he got over there and actually started to get some loft I mean he has line drives all over the field uh, he would be a hell of a ball player if he could just buy into the, the fly ball revolution and it wouldn't even have to be that much I mean it's not like a, you're looking for him to make a drastic change you're just looking for him to maybe get a little bit change that angle like three four degrees on average and you could see him pop up you know 10. 12, 13 more home runs a year, which would make a huge impact on his fantasy value. As, as far as Ozuna, I would imagine either Yelich or Ozuna goes to at least the Giants or the Cardinals. With as much dealings as they had on the Stanton, they have to have the framework on several players they're interested in. Oh, so sure. either Ozuna or Yelich, I would imagine one of those two have to go to either the Giants or the Cardinals. See, the only thing about the Giants is, and this isn't to say anything bad about them, I actually like the Giants, um, their prospects are terrible. Yeah, uh, not, they have, they have yeah. like very few like upper-level prospects that would be uh, something that someone would accept for like a Yelich. Um, I mean, Ozuna would probably be more likely, uh, but from what I understand and what Jeremy was saying earlier, I think they're asking for a pretty high asking price because uh, they have five years of control left for Yelich. So that's you know something where you, you're not going to buy that for cheap. They they can hold on to him and dump him at any time because he is already cheap for long term. So. Well, even with uh, even with Ozuna, he's controllable through 2022 at present with arbitration and team control. So they're both along the same lines. I think you get an extra year wow. with Yelich. Could you guys see something? And I know some of these teams are probably further along in their timeline, but could you see something? 
with a team like the White Sox, assuming that you know there's so much control left in these players, um, but there is a salary attached to them, unlike some of the, the prospects for the White Sox. Could you see a deal going down, speeding up the timeline for a team like the White Sox a little bit? I think the White Sox need pitching more than anything. I don't think they need the outfield Agreed. help. They're actually trying to trade away uh, Avisal Garcia, and he did really good in the outfield last year. I think they have an excess of outfield. I think they're kind of like the Cardinals. Yeah, Abreu is also being talked about being shopped around as well. That's true. It, but but the problem is, is they say that that's very unlikely to happen because he's a really big right. presence in the clubhouse. Yeah. But yeah, I would keep the White Sox on a sleeper status. They're going to reach out and they're going to snag one of these free agents that we weren't thinking about or... They're going to sneak in and trade for somebody. I'm not going to call it my bold prediction, but (laughs) they're a sleeper team that's on the verge that just needs something to get them over the hump. And and we saw that with the Yankees. We expected them to be, you know, much further behind in their timeline. And they put together an amazing season. And now they just signed, you know, Stanton, not signed him, they virtually signed him to another you know, eight years because he's, he came out and said today, I think, or the day before that he is not interested in opting out. So it's, he's going to be with the Yankees for a long time. So yeah, they're, they've sped up their timeline. And, and I think I saw today, they're the favorites now to win the world they series. According are. to yep. five what's, to one, I think what's funny is, is did, did they speed up their timeline or did Aaron judge speed up their timeline? Or was it Derek Jeter that sped up their timeline? <laughs> No, but I mean, I'm I'm almost being serious by that because like, if you take his season and make it into a mediocre season, even a good season for a rookie, um, I think the Yankees don't make the playoffs. I think you're right. I think one of the things that Girardi did well, or the organization under Girardi did well, was develop these players. He he set them up for success very early on in their careers. Guys like Judge and, and other players have you know sanchez have flourished under that regime and so it's interesting for me to see him gone and a guy like aaron boone be brought in because he's instantly walking into expectations and he doesn't have the club clubhouse culture down yet he doesn't have the players and what makes them tick and so it'll be very interesting to watch a major media market like New York operate in a win-now mode with some of these young players. Yeah, but I kind of see that almost like you do with college football. Because when a coaching change happens, typically the new coach that comes in, there's instant success for one, two, maybe a third year. But that is when things start to go downhill. Because the coach that's brought in is bringing in and recruiting new people. We're not going to see the real results of Aaron Boone for another two, three years. Pretty much the ability for a manager to maintain success. I mean, that's really what decides a good manager or not. Something You see the Diamondbacks a lot. We bring in a manager or a new GM. The first year we make the playoffs, and then three years later we have a new GM and manager. So... <laughs> It's, <laughs> well, speaking but... of the Diamondbacks, they uh, <laughs> they did make a little deal in the last couple weeks. Brought in uh, Boxberger, some relief help from Tampa Bay. Where do we see this fitting in with this bullpen? He was he was pretty good a couple of years ago, but wasn't he hurt for most of last year? So he missed the first half of last year. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the main thing with Boxberger is that he finished last year healthy. He finished the last three months of the season. In the last six weeks of the season, he had a sub one year. And I believe it was something like a 14K per nine. So obviously a small sample size, but he was healthy at the end of the year. And he brings in, I think, a $1.9 million arbitration deal. So it's a good price for nine backs. And he's a guy who had 41 41- 
saves with Tampa Bay and was an all-star in 2015. Yeah. You know, we I think we've talked about the the Diamondbacks bullpen and Archie Bradley and what to do with him, you know, on this show quite a bit. So I think it's still too early to tell what the plans are going to be, but he's going to be in one of those late inning leverage situations, you know, the seventh, eighth or ninth inning. Um, and he's going to see an opportunity for saves if uh, if they don't make another move or if if Archie isn't the ninth inning guy. All right. The other kind of splash we're, we're going to hold off on our uh, foreign splash for a moment. This one was leading up to the big decision. And this was Seattle picking up D Gordon from Miami, just cutting cost all they can out there. They dealt D Gordon. What kind of impact are we going to see this year with him moving to center field? What's funny is, is that they actually moved him to center field. Um, he was met. If you believe in the metrics, some people do, some people don't, uh, the best second baseman, throwing and fielding um in in the major leagues so i mean it's a respect thing to robbie cano but it is just astronomically stupid if you want to win ball games so um yeah center field he might be great out there but i don't think he's going to be as good as the best in the league at second base putting a fantasy spin on this real quick the first thought or one of the first thoughts that i had was in looking at the second base landscape for this next year I'm like, Phil, I hate it. I hate all of it. It's all a bunch of crap. Like, I just don't like what second base options there are after Altuve or a couple other guys, <laughs> um, which isn't saying much. Like, it's There's just so much risk in, in that whole class that if you are playing a league where D. Gordon or, you know, one of the owners out of the 10 or 12 or 15 owners – are lucky enough to get D Gordon and one of the other top 10 second basemen. And they, they start D Gordon at center field, another second baseman and second baseman slot. You're, you're basically without one of those top two or three guys. And so it actually takes away from some of the depth at second base, which is not deep to begin with. So yeah, if you play in a deeper league, I think this actually really hurts. Um, as far as the second base pool and it's just it's pretty brutal yeah this kind of groups d gordon in the outfield with the the billy hamiltons of the world like he's not going to provide all the pop he's mainly just speed and some on base percentage but he's he's got the average though that's the thing is and most people play in leagues with average though um you know he had a batting title a couple of years ago uh, i mean always had the ped issue but he hit what like 300 some last year as well. So I mean, he he's got batting average and he's got the stolen bases, and in in a good lineup, he can actually score a bunch of runs too. So he's got pretty much everything except the two power categories. Um, but he is pretty dead in those two power categories. So. <laughs> and he's historically a an extremely high Babbitt player, and so I think there's been some you know skepticism, I guess, on whether or not he can continue to repeat that. He's done it several years, so you kind of believe that's who he is at this point in his career, but extremely high Babbitt for him for several years now. The one player I do see this helping most in that Seattle lineup is Nelson Cruz. Having another guy that's high on base, high average ahead of him with speed are just going to make his RBI totals just through the roof. So keep an eye out for Cruz coming into 2018. And now, Otani. So much drama this week. Was it, Will it be Seattle? Will it be San Diego? Seattle made moves. Can they get him... The Angels? 
Uh, I, what, I guess. What do you do with that international cap right. cap money now? What's uh, What's hilarious is, is I saw a tweet that said, uh, "I know what uh, Jared Depoto's grandkids are getting for Christmas international <laughs> cap money," because uh, <laughs> it's pretty much all he's got left. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Doesn't it expire at the end of the year? Pretty or much in the new. Or wait, no, 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 when no, the new on. signing period it, ends. Yeah, and right, so yeah. that would that would be like June or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, I guess theoretically, there's a guy out there that you could sign, but I mean, why are you going to want to give somebody that isn't signed already three million dollars, unless it's one of the uh, <laughs> the Braves prospects? Yeah, Braves guys. yeah, yeah. But I still, guys exactly. Maiton was the biggest name out of that group. Right. I mean, you could and sign he, and he and they already signed seven and guys. And he signed with them to. too, <laughs> but he signed with them for the next next season. So they didn't have to use this year's international uh, pool for it. They got to shift it to 2018's uh, pool, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's looking at, like, the entire list of Braves prospects they lost because at this point he's going to have to, you know, buy eight of them to make up the $3 million <laughs> or whatever they have. Four, $4 million, I think it was. I'd go get Bay right now. <laughs> never, never let Bay go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so with Otani, the fantasy sports world really doesn't have a grip on what they're going to do with him. It's come out that Yahoo is probably going to split him as a pitcher Otani and a batter Otani. So you can have two different teams in your league with Otani. So with this, would you guys rather have the batter Otani, who's probably going to see 300 at-bats, maybe? Or pitcher Otani? who pitches once a week. For me, I'm definitely going to go pitcher Otani. I think that's what his, the biggest ticket on his, you know, profile is. Um, you know, I've heard, I don't have a whole lot of in-depth, you know, analysis on, on his hitting st- or pitching stuff yet, but I've heard profiles and comparisons to like DeGrom and, and other top 15, top 20 type pitchers. So I think the pitching is, is much more of a lock than what the hitting is. What do you guys think? Um, I 100% agree. Uh, obviously, I'm no scout, but I did see on MLB Network the other day, uh, before actually he signed, uh, they had his uh, scouting grades for pitching and hitting, and they were comparing like recent players that got signed. And the comp that they used for the hitter was Yasmani Tomas. So (laughs) I don't know if we're really going to think that he's going to be a superstar on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, uh, I mean, he's clearly has pop um, and he also throws 100 miles an hour. So I think you're going to lean towards the 100 miles an hour versus Yasmani Tomas cops. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, he's a guy freak athlete. I think we're looking at his grades, 80 speed, which is ridiculous. Um, he's a guy, but his pitching talent, his stuff, like we said, uh, Jacob DeGrom caliber stuff, with the fastball and the hard slider. He's definitely top 20, 25 pitcher uh, potential right off the bat. We're hitting with the limited at bats and kind of just uh, it's more unknown how that's going to transition over to the MLB. Definitely. I like him more as a pitcher. Well, and not only that, when you think about it, like that team is is pretty good defensively. They got Simmons at shortstop. I mean, he's like the best Mm -hmm. ever, legitimately. (laughs) Um, And then so you have Trout out there in center field. As long as they don't do something stupid and put pools at first base, uh, I think they should be pretty decent. It was kind of a weird place for him to land, in my opinion, just because we had been hearing the whole time that he wants to he wants to hit. And I felt like this landing spot actually limited his at-bat potential. I, I mean, 
do we think he gets 300 plate appearances? Like I'm leaning more towards the 225 to 250 range. And if you split him like Yahoo is planning on doing, how do you draft him? How do you draft a guy where you're going to get 225 potential plate appearances? And yeah, he's probably going to hit a decent amount of home runs. But he also may bat 220. Yeah. It's, I mean, in a, in a standard size league, as a hitter, is he even ownable? Like, is no. he even a guy no, you trap? No, he's not. I don't think so. Yeah, I, see, that, I'm not. See, that's what sucks about the fact that they're splitting him up because that's the intriguing part of him is that you get the ace and then you also get a guy that you can throw in your DH spot or your outfield or whatever spot. Um, you know, three days a week, four days a week, however they end up doing it. That's what really sucks about it. It should be just one guy. And that's know. actually, that's what Fantrax is doing. So Fantrax is treating him as one player, making him dual eligible, but forcing you to place him in one of the slots. Um, if it's a daily lo- line, uh, locking lineup, which, you know, I prefer to play in, then on his, you know, pitching days, you're putting him in at SP or the pitcher slot, and then, when he's in the you know DH, you can put him in your utility spot, and that way you can get the, the most out of him and not waste a roster spot and maybe justify a higher ADP ranking and honestly kind of hedge your bet a little bit because inflation going into draft season, he's going to continue to move up those spots. So if, if you're not playing in a league where you can kind of get the benefit of his hitting alongside his pitching – I just don't see really why you would draft the hitter version of him. Now, just to clarify that, Keith, you're when you're putting him at pitching slot, you're only getting his pitching stats for that day, even if he bats. Correct, which I personally okay. disagree with, but I think there's probably some, some coding problems that go along with that. Uh, but yeah, you're going to have to choose either pitcher or hitter. Um, and where the real problem comes is in weekly leagues, right? Yeah. In weekly leagues, you're going to have to choose yeah. to slot him in as either a hitter or a pitcher. Um, which I would think nine times out of ten you're going to slot him in as a as a pitcher. So again, oh, yeah, like you're saying, Phil, this is in cores. Yeah, like you're saying, <laughs> right. kind of it eliminates kind of what the upside is with him based on that. Preferably for me, um, which I'm I'm not smart enough to know how to do this, but for me, I would want to try and figure out a way where you could actually get the hitter stats when he's pitching because I think that's the biggest benefit. You'd have to like create some sort of like toggle like, switch or something that, mm-hmm. to turn on his hitting stats. There would be, there would have to be like a, like a flex position in uh football or whatever. So, yeah. you know, you can, you can start whatever pretty much you want in that spot. Um, yeah. I think that that would be, mm, I think that would be the way to go because then you could get both, both sort of categories out of it. And, and if you were going to do that, you'd have to open it up to other teams in the league where if they Correct. wanted to start Grinky mm-hmm. and Correct. get Grinky's hitting stats or Bum Garner or Jake Arietta or some of the other, you know, good hitting pitchers out there, um, you know, it, maybe if um, Bum Garner or Arietta and yeah. yeah. So you'd have to open it up to where those guys actually get the benefit as well. What if you just had all of them on your pitching staff and just crushed? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a strat like in a 15 team league something crazy like yeah. that would actually be you know that would be a viable strategy and that you'd, in that you'd, sort be, of league. you'd be paying up on pitching because you know otani bumgarner arietta are still going to go all in the top yeah. 25 or 30 i'm not taking them all there <laughs> Yeah. Well, so the interesting thing with Otani and the Angels is they're looking to seriously keep him to pitching once a week. So Mm -hmm. say he pitches Saturdays. So he'll pitch Saturday, probably be off Sunday, bat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, be off Thursday, Friday, pitch Saturday. Which I think is the what he's been doing for several years now. I think that's kind of the routine that he's built up. 
for a Correct. while now. Correct. Yeah. So it looks like the Angels may actually go to a six-man rotation in order to accommodate that. Makes sense. I mean, they, they do have some depth. I don't know about quality depth, but, but they yeah. have depth. Again, doesn't that limit his upside? Because you're looking oh, at now man, a does. potential 160 innings. Instead of a you know a hundred and which very few pitchers actually throw two hundred innings anymore, but I mean you're looking at maybe one hundred and thirty five innings to one hundred and sixty five innings instead of one sixty to, to two hundred. Yeah, the one twenty to one forty is kind of where he's probably going to fall. You guys are think, you guys are thinking about this from a, a micro aspect. Think about it from the team aspect. Like all of that pitching staff is going to be in shambles because they're trying to accommodate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one no one is going to be pitching on normal rest. No one is going to be you know I mean give or give or take they might be able to swing it once or twice. So that's a, week, a good point. But yeah, every every single person on the pitching staff is going to have some sort of different role that they've never had before. That, that's true. So you're you're putting him into this square peg, but everybody else is is going to have to change everything right. they've been doing since probably college right. or or single A ball where they're pitching you know once every five days. So the other five guys in that rotation are going to have to adjust. So this could be a pretty interesting uh, interesting thing to watch the next uh, year or so. Well, I and almost, the part. Yeah, I'm I'm almost seeing that you would have to go uh, a man short on your bench in order to accommodate having the extra rotation guy, but you do still have Otani to use yep. as a yep. bat off the bench. Exactly. So it, it doesn't fully handicap your team that way, but it is the unpredictable nature of that rotation, how everything falls. Some weeks you may get an extra day of rest some days some weeks you're gonna get a day short or two days short but yeah that's uh that's gonna be interesting todd what did you have well the craziest part about it is mike Sosha is probably one of the most old school managers in all of baseball and you're gonna be asking him to pretty much reinvent the way a roster works so I think that's kind of interesting. Also, to the fantasy aspect of it, um, if you're in a weekly transaction league or uh, whatever, then you know two start weeks aren't going to be happening for Otani. So if you're in a points league or something like that, he's probably mm-hmm. not as valuable as you would think that he actually is because he's never going to get a two start week if they're doing it on that that schedule. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's head into a couple of the other signings. There were two other free agent signings in the bullpen area. Brandon Morrow and Luke Gregerson were both signed. Phil, what do you have for us on Gregerson? So the the thing about it is is um, we miss out on Stanton. <laughs> Uh, the Cubs go sign Morrow, who absolutely dominated. Um, so the Cardinals go grab the low-hanging fruit, uh, you know, Gregerson, who had a four-and-a-half ERA last year. Um, it, it, can I just start back over at the at the Stanton spot and just say I hate everything? Um, we'll just re- the Cardinals, Cardinals we'll bullpen rerun that sucks. clip again. Right. I mean, the Cardinals' bullpen sucks, and they're adding – you know, Gregerson as if he's going to do something. I mean, he's yeah. been a decent pitcher at parts of his career, but I don't think this is a part of his career. He's going to be decent. What was the, what was the contract for? Do you know the details are around about what two, he's making two per years, year? Two years, 11 million. I mean, they, they literally signed him for almost nothing, but at the same time, go allocate that $11 million towards Manny Machado, go put 400 million towards him. And then I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too much to ask from a fan base? <laughs> it's a rough look. I mean, when you're talking about signing Stanton, trading for Donaldson, all this crazy stuff, and the movie you make so far is Luke Gregerson, it's kind right. of a tough look. And, 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 and no offense to you guys at all, 
um, for for your your team, but your guys' team has not been as successful as the Cardinals for however long, right? True. You guys went out and signed Zach Greinke for like two hundred million dollars. Where were the Cardinals at? Oh, Wade they, signed, they signed they signed Nick Punto that year. <laughs> You know what Hello, I mean? Guys. Like, like what? What the hell is going on with our franchise? God, I, just get lighters out of my hand. I'll set everything on fire. <laughs> well, you brought up Brandon Morrow. This, so. this is going to be an entertaining year. Oh yeah. If, if if the Cardinals don't make a big splash, aside from being worried about Phil's health, I think this is going to be a very entertaining year on the podcast. I doubt it. <laughs> We're gonna have to add a dump button to the podcast. Oh, the amount of yes. expletives that Phil is going to drop on here, we're going to. I try. Leap. I try to hold them back and and <laughs> trust and believe that that's hard at times. Um, but it it might spew over if we have another season such as last year, uh, where the Cardinals just don't do anything right. Well, the good news is, Phil, the Cardinals seem to be in on everyone this year. So rumors galore coming out of St. Louis. Keep us posted if you hear anything that's official. <laughs> I will certainly do that, but you guys will probably have an alert from ESPN by the time that I hear about it uh, with, <laughs> with working in the bank life. I don't have as much time during the day anymore. It's kind of crazy. Ah, bummer. All right, so Brandon Morrow goes from being a, a middling, struggling starter to being released and signed. Was that how he ended up with the Dodgers? Or was it a trade? I, no, he was a free agent. He was a minor league contract last year. I believe the Padres released him or non-tendered him. So that sounds like a Padres thing to do. Yes, very yeah, much so. They're, they're the Browns of the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do wear brown from time to time. Uh, so Moro goes from being a starter to being signed by the Dodgers. The Dodgers seem to convert everybody to a reliever last year in their incredible run in the regular season. And in half a season, Moro pitches just under 50 innings and translate that into a $21 million two-year deal with the Cubs because he had a three-and-a-half-mile-an-hour jump in fastball speed, moving to the pen. Just dominant. And, uh, yeah, what uh, what should we be looking for with Brandon Morrow this year in fantasy? I mean, you're not kidding. He was absolutely dominant in his 45 games with the Dodgers. Um, I've already targeted him in some leagues. Um, I'm, I'm crazy enough to already been in a few drafts um, before even the, the new year rolls around. Um, and looking at his his stats and what he performed, you know, in a short kind of sample size last year, I'm I'm excited to to kind of draft him this year. Now that he's landed a spot where he's potentially going to get a ton of saves with the with the Cubs, it only increases his value even more. Um, so I'm I'm definitely I mean top twelve closer if he pins down that role top. Top eight. Whoa. My wow. my question is is what is the likelihood that he does pin down the role? Because the Cubs have money. The Cubs are interested in Column A and Davis and Holland and everyone else that under the sun that throws well. Um, I, I just I just don't see it as as that likely of a scenario where he actually does retain that role. Um, or if he does, it's because one of the other guys struggled. Either way, I'm. I would be happy to have him on my team if it's a saves league. Um, I, I'd be happy to have him. Part part of that's because he's not going to get drafted. I think like a top ten closer, maybe for what you're talking about, Phil. There's other guys that maybe get slotted in there, but you know, or if it's a saves plus hold league, again, another guy that I'm really excited about owning. I think uh, 
he'll he'll do well. Absolutely. All right, and we've talked a little bit of Manny Machado here, but it rumor currently is sitting that the Phillies are looking to dive into the Machado market. Uh, currently, they only have seven million dollars committed to their uh, <laughs> payroll right now. <laughs> Everybody else is pre-ARB or ARB eligible, so they've got money to burn in Philadelphia. Do we see that as a likely place, or do you have another option? Does he have one of those sweet uh, no-trade clauses like uh, Stanton did? Can he uh, block the trade going to Philadelphia? No, he doesn't have No, he does not. He, He cannot, and also I would like to clarify that I don't know who you're talking to, but John Heyman has been reporting that the Cardinals have the best chance to get uh, Orioles star Manny Machado. <laughs> there you I, read, go. I read a Bleacher Report all about it. So, oh. and and the, the Bleacher Report loves the Cardinals, so it must be true. <laughs> um, but yeah, how how awesome would it be for? I mean. The, the Phillies to to get him for one year and then for him to like them for them to trade away like four prospects to get him or something and then for him to just go bounce and go to like Boston or whatever like he's gonna do anyways <laughs> like how crazy would that be uh well actually looking into this it appears uh if he were to go to the Phillies it would require a 72 hour window for the Phillies to extend the contract with Machado uh, hmm. to hammer out an agreement why so, would um, you do that if you're Manny Machado, though? What? Why in the world? Right. It's aside not... from the the basically garbage season you had last year in your age 24 season. Why would you sign an extension with the Phillies? The only reason is if they paid perceived market value. If you go in and say I'm worth 10 years, 400 million, and they say done, what are you going to negotiate to? Right. Yeah. Me, True. Since this is the hater portion of the podcast for me, <laughs> let me just throw a few. A few things out there for you for Manny Machado and his perceived value right now. Ooh, right. nice. Here, here are <laughs> here are a few players that had qualified hitters that had a better OPS than Manny Machado last year. Um, you know, stop me when I've gone too far. Whit Merrifield, <laughs> easy buddy. Uh, Tim, uh, <laughs> Aaron Tim Hicks, Be- Tim Beckham, JG Realmuto, DJ LeMayhew had a better OPS. Astrubal Cabrera had a better OPS. Cesar Hernandez, David Peralta had a better OPS. Joe freaking Maurer had a better OPS. Matt Joyce, Jed Lowry, Elvis Andrus, five foot four Elvis Andrus, Trey Mancini. Like it, it, it's it's not good. Like he had Eddie Rosario had a better OPS. I like, think I think what you're paying for is not the OPS. Um, even though his OPS plus has been above average his entire career, and he had two. Pretty great years, 132 and 130 and, and 15 and 16. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's decently above average uh, consistently across the board. I think what you're paying for is is the age, number one. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, you're paying for the potentially the best defender at third base in the history of the game. And that's that's not me being, you know, overstating his, his value. That's legitimately, if, yeah. again, if you believe the metrics, um, Simmons is the best shortstop ever. And to this point of his career, Manny Machado is the best third baseman ever. I don't pretend to be a defensive expert, but I think all of the state of Colorado would disagree with you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just saying what the numbers say. I mean, I, I'm not the one that makes this stuff up. If I could create a logarithm to make this be a better solution <laughs> or whatever, I, I would try to do that. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that goes through the numbers and looks at them afterwards. <laughs> 
I, I guess I didn't I didn't realize that he on the defensive scale that he was that well valued. I just from a fantasy aspect, I still see him being drafted like like I, I put out my early top forty ranks at the very end of last year, like you know the first four rounds, and I had several people, probably Baltimore fans, you know, post and be like, hey, what about Machado? Why isn't he in your first your top ten? What about Machado? And I'm like, the dude got out hit by Tim freaking Beckham last year, like. <laughs> I'm not putting him at number 12. Like, and, and I, I know the upside is real. Like, it's it's there. But I think he's still extremely overvalued from a fantasy aspect. Mm-hmm. So that, that concludes my I hate Manny Machado portion of the podcast. <laughs> what about Manny Machado as a shortstop? Would you hate him there? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. See, but I still I am so. not putting him in the top four. Like, you still have the, the super four that are ahead of him. Um, and really? it's not even it's not even close. Like you wouldn't put him ahead of Seager. You were just talking talking about Seager earlier. No, I, I don't think I would because mm-hmm. I think I trust Seager better. I expect Seager to take a step forward soon, and for his profile to actually translate into counting stats and maybe a little bit more power. Um, not that Manny Machado can't, but I just I expect Seager to take a little bit of a jump forward at some point. If he doesn't, then yeah, he's going to have to be moved down that list because he's at the back end of that tier of four just because he has the potential, but he hasn't reached it yet. I mean, he is still just 24. That's the crazy thing about Machado. It seems like but, he's been around forever, though. Yeah. Well, he, he, broke has. Like, he came in yeah. Yeah, 19, 2012. Yeah, he's 25. I mean, over the last three years, he's averaging 35 homers a year. I mean, not, he, that's not bad. It's just, I mean, he, the dude doesn't walk that much. I think that's his number one. Only twice in his career, he's had on base percentage over 325 so, in his six years. And you know what? He, he bounced back. He had nine stolen bases last year after, was it not stealing any bases in 2016, or was that 2015 when he stole zero bases? No, um, 15, he had 20. Yeah, so he he bounced back. He's got, he's actually giving you a little bit of steals. Um, must have been like 14 when he stole like 30 bags, and then the next year he stole zero. That was pretty <laughs> frustrating, I'm sure. But, you know, he's yeah. going to give you nines, not double-digit steals. But if you'll get nine steals on top of potentially 35 or 40 home runs, like that's still a bonus. I mean, and think about it like this. His 22, 23, and 24-year or age seasons, he hit average of 35 home runs and roughly, oh, 94 RBIs, 93 RBIs, um, with mm, 93 maybe runs scored as well. I mean, that's that's pretty decent, I would say. I don't know, especially if he could potentially shift to shortstop at some point, yeah. which I don't, I don't know why you would because, like I said, he's just a beast at third baseman. Well, thing too with the Orioles, if they get Machado, they also they love Franco at third. I know he had a rough year last year, but they're huge Michael Franco fans. If you when you hear the Phillies talk about him, so is that maybe a guy who could be thrown in the trade, or is that a guy no, someone moves with position with or? the Phillies? They're actually looking at uh Sixto Sanchez he is a right-hander that the yeah. Orioles covet um and which, which, Kingry and Galvis would be involved Ooh, I don't know if I'd get King, rid of Kingry is the one I would be reluctant yeah, yeah I wouldn't get rid of Kingry yep. but the thing but the thing about it is is people don't realize um who is it uh Cesar Hernandez is doing exactly what you want uh Kingry to be doing when he comes up <laughs> but but no one no one's recognizing it because he's not a prospect he's been around for a minute Right. Well, it, it, yeah. it sounds like Baltimore is tied to every pitcher with a pulse so far in this offseason. Like they're going after Matt Harvey and it doesn't seem like there's maybe much much there. They they for some reason went after Mike Fires. They offered Mike Fires two years, <laughs> two year contract. 
So did Detroit. And it's like, what, what do you, th- what do you think, what do you think he's gonna do in Baltimore with two years? Like, <laughs> there's no way he makes enough starts to stick around through the end of that contract. They also uh, signed Embaldo to a multi-year deal. They're not really the the. Maybe they have the Browns. I would, I would, if I was a pitcher, I would stay so far away from Baltimore. Like what they've done with their their two prospects they had for. Was it uh, Hunter and Bundy finally kind of came into his own a little bit this year? But man, I would I'd steer clear. I mean, if I'm fires, I'm taking whoever you know gives me a paycheck. Right. Where do I sign, boss? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Yankees reportedly aren't done. They are still looking to bolster that pitching. Uh, they're starting pitching. They were in talks with the Pirates for Garrett Cole, but apparently uh, their asking price is astronomical. So the Yankees are unlikely to grab Cole, but that does mean that he's on the market. That means Baltimore is gonna gonna be looking for him. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, partly because their rotation is so bad. I mean, you look at their the five starters. It's it's a joke. It's Bundy and then nobody, nobody and garbage. It's it's really bad. And and I would go on a limb and say Bundy's garbage. So I think it's nobody, nobody, and nobody. <laughs> yeah, he he had a, a weird season, a roller coaster yeah. season where he was inflated early on kind of came back to reality and then the last six starts he kind of flourished again so um it'll be interesting to see what version of bundy we see in 2018 next up the brewers are talking with teams about domingo santana uh not a lot of traction so far but they are looking for an affordable impact starter in return where would you guys like to see santana land nowhere that they would trade him probably he's in one of the best hitter parks in in baseball and he needs to be honest he needs that extra boost you know, to get to the home run level that he had. In, in fact, part of his inflation in 2017 was from that that park, I think. He, right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, that was fine. He, he didn't look like, if you look at the rest of his numbers, he probably gained a few home runs either by luck or by park factor. Right. And then what I was going to say by that, what I mean by what I said was, is that uh, count the ballparks that are great hitters ballparks. Okay, so Yankee Stadium, uh, you got Milwaukee, you got Arizona, you got Coors, um, any other ones out there, the Orioles. Which of those teams need really an outfielder? I'd take him over Yasmani. Well, yeah, I mean, but are you guys going to give True. up on your star? What are you? What are you guys going to give up a starter for him? No. Corbin. Corbin. Godly, maybe. I, no, I, I no, hope they no, no. Corbin. I see, that's the thing is, yeah. I just, Godly is under control for a while too. Yeah. Uh, Corbin is actually probably a decent choice. I think that would be a good trade. But again, I think that from the the Brewers' perspective, I don't think Corbin would be enough. Yeah. yeah, you'd have, have to throw, throw a low, throw low level prospect or exactly. something. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. But um, that would be the only one that I would say, hey, that's that's not you know a, a downgrade offensively for Domingo Santana. Everything else, I would say, man, that sucks. He got traded there. Yeah, I just I don't think. I mean, if you want a controllable starting pitcher, I don't think Domingo Santana's going to get you that. Oh, he but had a, a really good year last year. He did, but. 
I, not looking for a young, super young yeah. controllable. You're looking for kind of a, a third or fourth rotation guy. Like somebody that's going to eat innings, that's not too expensive, but he's going to be reliable for you. See, the thing is, is they're just trying to make room for uh, Ken Broxton and for uh, uh, Lewis Brinson to play. And then they got the other kid, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Brett Phillips or something like that? Yeah, Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, the problem is they're trying to make room for Keon Broxton, and Ken Broxton isn't a good hit. That's, that's their no. first problem, 100%. Their, their other problem they, is that they, they needed to trade the dead weight that's in uh, left field because that guy's going to crash and burn here soon, too. They are trying to move him. Uh, I haven't heard any... I, why why isn't he a giant already? Why isn't he right. playing for the San Francisco that Giants? Right See, now. That, that, that makes the most sense out of anything because, I mean, they could, one, absorb the contract, which it's only for a couple of years anyways, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and two, they wouldn't have to give up very much to get him because the Brewers would dump that contract easily. And, and he's got yeah. he's got a fully vested no trade clause. I think maybe that's the reason. That's I think they've, what it is then. they've seen I, he's been linked to them in the past. He was also linked to the Dodgers. It sounded like he wanted to go West Coast. Him and Stanton are, are two in the pair in that uh, that terms. But so I think that's the only re- exactly. So that's probably the reason. I bet you that the Giants could would have him if uh, if he would waive his no trade, but. Um, that that makes the most sense uh, for me. So the Yankees aren't the only ones calling so far on Garrett Cole. Apparently the Rangers were in on him, but they've since turned to Doug Fister and Mike Miner, and they've been in talks already with you, Darvish, on a reunion. But it seems like the Astros are also reaching out, trying to uh, pick up on you, Darvish, after they demolished him in the World Series. Yeah, I don't know how that, I don't know how that pitch is going to go. Hey. Hey, uh, don't worry about the racist dude in our clubhouse that's making fun of you. Um, we really like you, though. You you did cool for us because you won us a World Series, so we wanted to hook you up with a little bit. You know, how does that contra- or, You know what I mean? How does that conversation go? If you can't beat him, join, join him. him. Yep. Join him. <laughs> and they are one of the one of the pluses for Darvish is he can go on regular or short rest. That is one of the things that they've brought up about him. Um, I was reading something earlier. The Astros. Someone, an unnamed player for the Astros, did say that they had figured out a system to where Darvish was tipping his pitch, or at least enough to know if it was going to be a fastball or the off-speed slider cutter. And through two World Series games, they seem to have his number. I would say if they were going to pick him up, definitely a rotation guy. Thanks for tuning in for part one. Stick around for part two on the Winter Meeting Special.